Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC Sports, brought to you by JohnnyTShirt.com, the go-to provider for all your Tar Heel gear. Welcome into the Inside Carolina podcast, presented to you by Johnny T-Shirt and JohnnyTShirt.com. I'm your host, Ross Martin. As always, I'm joined by Donnie, Donnie Scoops Callahan. What's up, Don? Not too much. How are you doing with, uh, I don't even know what day we're on with the, the coronavirus pandemic and the stay-at-home orders. How are you doing with all that sort of stuff? Uh, pretty good. As I mentioned on podcasts I recorded yesterday with Tommy and Greg, I didn't see a single person on Monday. Wow. If I don't go, if I don't go work out uh, in the mornings with a small group of guys, I don't see people. So uh, other than maybe my neighbor here and there, but I don't really talk to her. <laughs> so um yeah man it's not uh it's a lot of lonely time but i'm fine by myself um well, that's good i worry about you because i know that even though my my family you know, drives me nuts um i get this i get the interaction or whatever so why don't you come over and hang out well i would but that would be isn't that against the law now at least for the time being i think uh if i came to your small, house small though groups. if i came to your house what would we do would we just eat <laughs> we just watch maybe watch a little tv and talk connect um okay we got a big podcast not a lot of news so there is there was one commitment last week morrow Edmonds, running back out of havelock north carolina committed to uh unc i think that happened friday was it friday night yeah yeah friday night of course friday i night. broke kind of I kind of I kind of broke the news to you. I texted you. I was like, "Is this going to happen?" You're like, "I don't know." No, um, that is not how it went down. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, you saw us coming. Uh, we're going to talk about Kamara Edmonds, and then um, that's about it in terms of uh, the, the 2021 class and any relevant recruiting news. Um, your scoop didn't was it touched on a lot of different topics, but there, I don't think as much really newsy to talk about. And then we're going to dive into the Netflix uh, sensation Tiger King. And we're going to do a Tiger King review and touch on a lot of aspects of that. So if you're here for football, you're going to get a little football. If you're here for personality and humor and our takes on a big show, you're going to get that. And And friendship. So you'll get some friendship. (laughs) That's right. First, we want to... Uh, talk about the top five. We're going to do the top five the next time we record. We need some more submissions. We only got three submissions, which really, which really uh, peeves Don. The top five is the five things that you are doing now that you didn't do before, before this coronavirus. Maybe new hobbies, new things you're doing outside, new things you start with your family. Just maybe you have a little more time uh, and some things you've taken up. For example, I've done some uh, you know different types of projects outside. And I've cooked more and so things like that. So maybe some unique things and maybe give us some ideas of things that we could try or do. Anything to add there, Don? 
Yeah, I think it's also it could be something that you have been doing, but now you have expanded it, or you've, you know, um, are doing doing a lot more of it, or whatever it may be. But to send your submissions in, as always, you could tweet at me at Don Callahan IC, or send it to me on Inside Carolina's message board, which my name is Don Callahan on there. Or if you have to, um, email Don at InsideCarolina.com. And make sure you include your first name and location. Yeah, and I mean, this is a community. So we want to get ideas for what we can do. We want you to share some ideas. Maybe you're doing something new with the kids that another uh, parent could use. You know, the the uh, shows to binge was great. I thought we had a lot of ideas, and I made a list of, of a lot of the suggestions. I'm going to go and watch some of those. So it's a community of, of caring and sharing during this, uh, this crisis, this pandemic, and time of social distancing. All right, let's get right into it. Uh, Kamaro Edmonds committed to the North Carolina Tar Heels on Friday. He is the number 273rd ranked player in the nation, the number 17 ranked running back, and the number 16 ranked player in the state of North Carolina. 5'11", 200 pounds, commits to UNC, becomes the 12th commit in the class, and moved UNC to number three in the nation for the 2021 class and the number two in the ACC. They jumped Florida, Tim Brewster's Florida, and it's crazy. UNC is number three in the nation. Don, when I, I texted you something about Kamaro, do you remember when I texted you about him after I watched this tape? I do not remember what you texted me about him after you watched this tape. A, I said he was. I said he was thick. Oh, you thick did. That's right. Running back. That's right. And you you got immature with that. But let's dive into it. Uh, tell us about his recruitment first and then we'll get to him as a player and a prospect yeah so um yeah basically you know, his his recruitment like a lot of guys since the football season ended had really uh kind of blew up a little bit got added a bunch of offers um north carolina wasn't the first offer actually among the the in-state four stars a year ago he was the last to receive a unc offer and that didn't come until you know actually less than a year ago um and then but immediately north carolina became a strong challenger for him actually when i was talking to him after the fact and i said to him because there were certain points where he definitely said that north carolina was his leader but there was there were times where he was playing coy and saying that you know he's wide open considering all options but i always felt like even in those instances that he was leaning towards the tar heels and after the commitment i said hey was this a fact, was this a situation where as soon as North Carolina offered you, they were the leader and you were just kind of, I guess, doing your due diligence? And he said, for the most part, yes. He said after he took that initial visit, or I think it was the second visit to North Carolina, um, North Carolina moved to the lead. And from there, he was he just wanted to kind of um, see what everybody else had to offer. Uh, initially, he had planned, he had toyed with a bunch of different commitment dates or commitment time frames. So at one point, he wanted to wait until after the football season. Um, but I think the most uh, prevalent was to at least take a bunch of spring visits and then kind of go from there. Like everybody else in the world, and especially with recruits, you know, his plans for the spring were derailed by the uh, coronavirus. And uh, I guess after a few weeks of being in isolation, he decided, hey, you know, this is where I want to be. Might as well not play more games and make a commitment. And that's what he did this past Friday. Great. And, I mean, he has a pretty good offer list uh, looking at it right now. Tennessee, Louisville, LSU, Missouri, South Carolina, Virginia Tech, Wake Forest. 
how legit was that LSU offer? Yeah, you know, when it comes to offers like that, you just never know. And, I mean, it's just uh, th- those schools like LSU and Alabama, uh, they they just send out a bunch of offers. And I think some of it is just to see if they can get a kid to at least visit and then kind of go from there. Um, so I, I, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. Okay. Call yourself an expert. Um, all right. What does he bring? I mean, okay, let me ask this first. UNC obviously will still take Shipley. So they're, yes. they're going for two, two running backs in this class. Is that kind of the assumption now? Well, they only want one, but you can't turn away Shipley. So that's, yeah. that's, that's the situation. He's a luxury, luxury pick, right? Yeah, yeah, for the most part. And, I mean, you know, in Camaro is obviously ranked lower than Shipley and some of the other guys UNC was recruiting, but Camaro is, is a really good running back. Now, does this – I mean – would they still try to flip? Um, his name escapes me. Let me look. On Evan Pryor, this real quick. Yeah. Yeah. So, well. Or is is that kind of is that kind of done? Well, they they always the, the coaches have always keeps in contact with these guys who are high on their board who commit elsewhere. Uh, this situation might be a little bit different because of I guess some of the comments that were made and come, how certain things kind of went about um, after the fact. Um, so there might be some hurt feelings, but, you know, Pryor does have a strong relationship with Dre Bly that goes back way before he became a recruit. Dre Bly actually coached him in Pop Warner. Um, so I think if Pryor wanted to come back and there has been zero evidence that that is the case, but, you know, obviously circumstances change. Um, and if he wanted to come back in a couple of months, I'm sure UNC would be open to that. But right now the focus is, is trying to trying to get Will Shipley for the running back position. The focus is trying to get Will Shipley, but if they don't add Shipley or they aren't able to flip Evan Pryor later on ending this class with uh, Camaro Edmonds is, is uh, the coaching staff will be very happy about that. Any updates on Will Shipley's recruitment? No, I mean, we, we ran a, a, story interview with him i guess it was my my days are starting to run together oh man i guess a week or two ago um kind of status quo as far as i know um i think he's he at that point they hadn't extended the dead period and his plan was to wait until april 15th which was when the dead period was supposed to to end initially um and then kind of decide he wants to take more visits like a lot of other guys but like like a lot of guys a lot of recruits he also um, is kind of getting tired of waiting and doesn't know when this uh, the situation is going to to end and when he'll be able to take some visits. So um, there is definitely a scenario where he commits without taking additional visits. There you go. So UNC gets one running back. Um, they signed two last year in R.J. Davis. R.J. Davis. Um, D.J. Jones. Got my basketball recruiting mixed up there. DJ Jones and Elijah Green. DJ Jones enrolled early. Elijah Green was going to be a June enrollee, which is crazy now because um, June summer school has moved online. So these players won't enroll until July or, or maybe August, depending on what happens, which is kind of crazy. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, Kamar Edmonds. Kamar Edmonds. Tell us about his game. As I texted you, he's a thick player is what stood out to me. But he's got some breakaway speed and some quickness as well. Let's dive in here, Don. Yeah, so I'll, this this is something that you'll really like to hear. I think he can get thicker. You know, he's uh, – I think it was 
he's listed at 5'10", 191 pounds, but I think he has a frame to really uh, add on more weight, which is good for a running back. You know, you mentioned the thickness, and I know we kind of joked about that, but I think that's really a product of um, Havelock's strength and conditioning program. It truly has one of the better strength and conditioning programs in, uh, at the high school level in the state of North Carolina. Really, it's probably the, it might be the best outside of the, the Charlotte area, to be honest with you. And um, you can just there, – there are some before and after photos of different, different uh, prospects who have come out of Havelock and just what Havelock's able to do. Um, but really, on the field, to me, the biggest aspect of him is his shiftiness. And he's able to, um, to do a lot of things, you know, uh, put a nice little juke on a defender to evade him. But he's also able to use his jukes to kind of set up his blocks and to um, you know, kind of get a defender flat-footed so he can kind of run past him. Uh, but he's you know, a great athlete. You know, there was one point where a lot of people were considering him as a DB instead of running back. And that kind of speaks to just his versatility and his overall athleticism. And, and really, last year was his first year of focusing solely on the running back position. So he's, he's still learning the position a little bit. So, so obviously, there's a, um, there's, there's a high ceiling there for him with uh, you know, kind of um, learning the, the, the nuances of the position. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I think he, he brings a lot. You know, he's, he's also a, a receiving threat out of the backfield. Awesome. That's great stuff there, Don. Um, okay. I mean, UNC continues just cleaning up in state. I mean, we, we knew this class was going to be, we knew the class in the state of North Carolina was really good in, uh, f- for the 2020 class and, and, and UNC had a good shot with a lot of them and that's proving to be true. They, I mean, if you just look at the top football recruits in North Carolina, I mean, there's Shipley and Page at the top who both remain uncommitted and seem to be Clemson leans. And you have Drake May, UNC, Evan Pryor, Ohio State. And then it's just all UNC. Keyshawn Silver, Gavin Blackwell, DeAndre Boykins, uh, Power Eccles, Javari Ritzy, and and Dilworth. UNC seems to be in a really good spot with both those players. Gabe Stevens, Dontavious Nash, now Kamara Edmonds, uh, Kobe Passor, Zaire Patterson is a name that we're pretty familiar with, Um, Tamir Brown. list goes on of UNC players. in-state players committed to UNC and there's still some names out there. So this class can get better. Um, and yeah, you, and your a lot of your weekly scoop to tease it now was kind of what could happen or, or can this class get to a, a top 15 class? We know that a lot of schools will catch up, um, especially some of the SEC schools, ACC schools will catch up, but um, this is, this is a really good chance to be the top UNC class for the uh, internet era. Right, Don? Yeah. Yeah, and I don't know if you wanted wanted to get into the weekly scoop right now, but uh, what I did because you know if we're being honest, there's not a whole lot going on because of the circumstances that we're in right now. Um, so I did a little bit of I guess uh, data diving and trying to see if there is certain I guess rules or threshold thresholds that UNC's class could meet that would basically guarantee them a top fifteen class, which is something that. UNC has only done once during the internet era, and the internet era is from 2002 on, um, which is the the 2009 class was the only class that, was, that finished in the top 15. And in, during that internet era, UNC has never fin- finished in the top 10. What's interesting is if when you look at the thresholds I have, which are on the um, the weekly scoop, uh, UNC is, is very close, definitely um, – 
definitely um, reachable for all of those thresholds, which is which is pretty significant. Um, so if you want to kind of um, take a deep dive into those numbers, definitely give uh, the weekly scoop this past week a look. And that is for premium members right there on the Tar Pit premium message board with Inside Carolina. There's also some additional scoops on a variety of players. That leads us to our first commercial break here, Johnny T-Shirt. And if you are a Tar Pit or UNC Basketball premium subscriber, you have access to a 10% off discount code at Johnny T-Shirt and GiantT-Shirt.com. The best place to get all your UNC gear. I got three sweatshirts there two weeks ago. Uh, I mean, great selection. That store is packed full of stuff. They ship out of Hillsboro, so everything gets to you pretty quickly if you're in the North Carolina area. Great customer service, locally owned, and we really want to support locally owned businesses because um, this is a tough time because of the lack of foot traffic. I'm sure a lot of places are also closed. So make sure you support Giant T-Shirt. When they, you support them, that helps us and allows us to provide you with these great podcasts that were given to you as you t- try to pass the time during Corona. So Johnny T-Shirt and GiantT-Shirt.com, all Inside Carolina subscribers can go onto the premium message board and get the promo code for a 10% off discount code. And now we're going to take another quick commercial break. We'll be right back to talk Tiger King. New CBS Sunday. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. When something is lost, everyone's looking for something. He finds it. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. How you survive, you make quick, smart decisions. If you never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker. New Sunday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Spring training is in full swing and fantasy baseball draft season is upon us. That means you need to join us on Fantasy Baseball Today in 5, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Stample, every Monday through Saturday for six pods per week throughout the month of March. We'll break down the latest news, spring training updates, players to target, and much more in just five minutes. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. And we're back. <laughs> What's up, Don? Uh, all right. So football's out of the way. I want to preface this Tiger King conversation by saying there will be some mature topics discussed. And if you're <laughs> listening with young children, it may be time to turn it off and listen to it when you're alone. Uh, by the nature of the, the show, there's just some mature, racy um, topics that, you know, maybe it, maybe above the age of uh, 18 would be the cutoff there. What do you think, Don? Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I don't think it's too, too bad, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's not something that I, I have two 13 year olds. I don't, I wouldn't watch, I wouldn't allow them to watch the documentary <laughs> or listen to yeah, this, gonna, this part of the, of the podcast. Yeah. We're going to try to, to keep it uh, as PG as possible with how we describe things and, and the topics we get into, but we, cause we also do not want to get fired, but um, all right. Tiger King, Don, I kept messaging you about how we should talk about this, and you, you refused to really provide any structure. So, like well, the, always, the I can't. Problem, with... The problem is, is that there's so much to unpack with this. Because even you know, we were talking about this off of the air, and I took a bunch of notes also. And as I'm looking at my notes that I took, I'm like, oh yeah, he ran for president. <laughs> you know, because there's just so much stuff that happens. It's just crazy. And and if this was a 
was a fictional story, you'd watch it and be like, this is this is just so far fetched. There's no possible way that this, you know, this is believable at all. But it but it actually happened. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy. Let's get into it. I mean, to kind of introduce it. I mean, this is a show about big cat owners and it, it focuses on this guy named Joe Exotic who lives in Oklahoma and it talks about kind of his life and his zoo that he runs in Oklahoma but it also focuses on a couple other characters uh there's a guy named Doc a- Doc Antle in Myrtle Beach there's a lady named Carol Baskins who who runs a kind of a, a big rescue for a big cat rescue place that rescues these big tigers and lions and other types of large cats and it also touches on some other characters that but i think those are the main three and then it kind of follows the story of joe exotic and um other characters that come in to the scene and kind of i i kind of saw him as a kind of a a, a hero a dramatic well, that's what's the word i'm talking i'm looking for like I, I the fall of a hero like he is he he builds himself up and then he has a tragic fall at the end and um there's a certain word I'm looking for, but that that was my take on that, and uh, and then we'll get in some topics. What, what was your general take on the show uh, as we introduce it? Well, I mean, I thought it was, um, I thought it was awesome um, as far as the twists and turns and the the surprises and the different things that happened in it. Now, for me, and I mentioned this in the last podcast, I actually knew about the story completely because on one of the um, true crime. Uh, podcast that I listened to is uh, Over My Dead Body. And this was a, I think it was like a 10 episode podcast that they went through everything. And there was, there was a couple things that it focused on a little bit more, like they did an entire podcast on Carol Baskin. We probably should mention that there's, I guess, give give a disclaimer that, that this is going to be a spoiler um, spoiler, spoiler yeah. podcast. So if you haven't I mean- watched it, if you want to, you need to you need to turn this off and, and listen to us after you've watched the entire Netflix. But like you, you can still listen to this. I mean, you, it's, you can still enjoy it with knowing some yeah. stuff that we're going to say, I think it's not okay. like some murder mystery or anything, you know, but yeah. But, but okay, so the, the podcast actually went deeper into Carol Baskin's first husband dying. Um, so there's a lot more detail about that. And then also the, um, they emphasized, and this was the craziest part to me, both on the the, the um, podcast and on the the Netflix show. The Netflix show, though, what made it so inter- what made it so crazy was they they didn't show you this, but they showed you the reaction of other people because there was a security camera. Was when one of Joe's husbands actually accidentally committed suicide. Um, yeah, so they actually crazy. the podcast Twirling. itself. <laughs> the podcast itself, um, I don't. I mean, obviously, you can't go too much deeper into it, but it kind of focused on just how much Joe changed after that moment. They talked about it a little bit on the on the show, but um, they really kind of hyped it up. Just how much that's when Joe kind of turned the corner for a certain thing and got really, really, really sloppy. Not that he was all that neat to begin with. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, Okay, so I kind of have these in a little. I try to have them in, in kind of chronological order. Um, my mom is calling me right now. My mom calls me every day now, and we talk for less than five minutes and hang up. Um, that's okay. good. So, yeah, I would, yeah. I would love I to like, talk to your mom. And I was like, "Mom, we can talk every other day." And she's like, "Nope, gotta talk to you every day." Um, okay, let's start from the top. All right, Joe Exotic. What are your thoughts on him? I mean, in general, 
he's he's a gay man he's i would say he's pretty country maybe redneck he has these music videos of him singing these country songs we find out he didn't write he um wears outrageous outfits he is super charismatic and and very likable in my opinion he runs for president he runs for governor of oklahoma he actually ran for president in 2016 so if he had advanced he would have been in debates with donald trump which would have been amazing he um started this zoo with huge tigers he kind of brings in a lot of misfits to work on his zoo he kind of finds people who are down their luck and provides them with a job and a place to live so you have this kind of a ragtag group of employees there's heavy drug use i think associated with his work um his his husbands it seemed in my it kind of gave this seem uh this idea that he lured in these husbands who were straight guys and kind of tried to flip them into being uh gay through drugs and through the allure of his personality and through access to everything he could provide at his zoo in oklahoma uh takes off that don yeah um <laughs> i don't even i don't even know where to begin the whole thing with the husbands he doesn't have just one he has two and they and they showed some footage of them getting married together the the, the three of them but yeah it was kind of well, crazy go ahead and this weird thing is like they're all really young one guy comes to i think john finley the guy with no teeth because he used a lot of meth he met he met joe when he was 18 years old mm-hmm. and travis the tall dude um who comes over from California, he met, he just, I don't know how he got to Oklahoma, found himself in Oklahoma from California. He shows up and he's 19 and there's like a 25 year age difference between Travis and Joe. And all Travis does is go around and uh, explode, choose guns, uh, use explosives. And you find out that he had relationships with many women on the, um, at the zoo as well. Yes. The, this the exploding stuff was another part of this. It's like yeah, that was awesome. Joe Joe just randomly goes to Walmart and buys <laughs> like TNT and you know and guns and all this sort of stuff. And then I guess sometimes he gets blow up dolls and calls them Carol Baskins and puts them you know puts them somewhere and then shoots from far away and uses explosives. I mean, it's just, yeah. this is crazy. But yeah, yeah. Um, the 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 one husband. Um. The one husband definitely seemed like he worked at the zoo. The other one just seemed like all he did was play. And Yeah, he was a young kid. I think he was doing a lot of drugs, and he just had a lot of guns. And I don't know. Joe, Joe was very attracted to younger men that he would flip to the, the other side. Um, yeah, the, the explosives. It was like every other scene was him just blowing up stuff. Yes. Like trees, shooting things in the water. He loved guns. I mean, this is a, a redneck dream. It was just like. Wild animals, guns, and explosives on this, you know, 20-acre plot of land. Okay, you mentioned Carol Baskins. Let's get into her. She was in Tampa, Florida. She's this, uh, I would would say, you know, she's probably in her 50s to 60s now. And she ran this cat rescue zoo, which a lot of people wondered, what what is he doing that's different? What is she doing that's different than Joe Exotic, but she would, I guess, collect these uh, big cats and rescue them and was kind of an animal rights person. So she was the rival with Joe, and Joe would always just rip on her and talk so much about Carol Baskins, a lot of profanity. And it was that the I think that's the main plot line was Carol Baskins versus Joe. Eventually, Carol sues Joe for a million dollars, kind of puts him into economic ruin. And then at the end, 
Joe gets jail time for um, plotting to kill Carol Baskins. But let's get into Carol Baskins. What do you think about her, um, kind of her storyline and her as a, as a woman? Um, I kind of, and I don't know, this, this I guess, subsection of the world with the, the tiger uh, or big cat sort of thing, I, don't, I definitely am not in it, so I don't understand all of it. But I, from the outsider view, don't understand what Carol does differently than what Joe does. Because when you see her zoo stuff, she still has a zoo where people walk through and these cats are still in small cages. And, um, you know, the only difference, I guess, is maybe she doesn't, um, she doesn't bred them like, like, uh, Joe does. And, and I guess, um, yeah, there's been some talk about both Joe and, and, and Doc Andle who they end up, once I guess the big cats reach a certain age, they they kill them because they they end up being uh, more expensive to keep than yeah. I guess the money they bring in or whatever. But let me just ask you this: Is okay. Carol Baskins is she a hero? I don't I don't see her that way. She's kind of becomes the enemy almost. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, if you if you been on the internet at all you've seen all the memes and stuff about about her killing her husband so her first husband this is a whole this is a big storyline there's this whole these thoughts that she killed her first husband to get all his money and all and all the inheritance and he, that she fed him to the tigers mm-hmm. or buried him under the septic tank and yeah. so that's a, almost a whole episode is about that and and that's kind of a lot of spinoffs on social media about carol Baskin's killing her husband she gets remarried. She's been married like three times. She married this, this other guy who's in the, the documentary. And he kind of helps lead all the lawsuits and all the things against Joe Exotic. And there's that one picture of when they got married on a beach. She's <laughs> He's dressed up in, in like leopard skin and tiger skin and has a leash around his neck. And Carol Baskins is like holding him by the leash. What do you think about, about that image? Um, I think it kind of symbolizes their their relationship because she obviously calls yeah. the shots, and if she and if he doesn't abide by him, he's going to end up being Tiger Meal. Yeah, how crazy is that? I mean, he first husband disappeared. That was a huge yeah. storyline, and then he, and he made the decision to marry this woman who likely killed her first husband. Okay, other topics here. Um, Let's see here. There's just the subculture of and the egos. I wrote down egos and subculture. All these guys that own these big tigers. It's just this whole world that we don't, we're not familiar with. And there's tons yeah. of subcultures out there in America. It kind of sheds light to just these different lifestyles that people live. Um, and I, I thought that was interesting. And the egos of these guys. I mean, Joe Exotic had a massive ego and he wanted to become famous. He did these nightly live stream shows. Uh, he had these music videos. He ran for president, ran for governor. It was all about him and him becoming famous. And I thought Doc Antle was a hugely interesting character as well. He was kind of a, a <laughs> he had a ponytail. He had a um, a little Fu flavor Manchu. saver. Uh, flavor saver. No, what a Fu Manchu. It was just the uh, what's that called? It's right below the lip. It's a yeah. little bit of facial hair. He was bigger, and he ran kind of a higher class zoo with with, yes. with a lot of wild exotic animals in Myrtle Beach uh, and I thought they could do a whole documentary on him because they went into him a little bit he hired a lot of women young women to work for him he had multiple wives he had 
he lived in a house. Every wife had another house. It was kind of like a polygamous society. And there was a line about him forcing the women to get breast augmentations. And it was kind of this cultish character. And he felt like he was some sort of god to all the people that worked for him. Yes. Yeah, there was definitely... I mean, I, you hit it right on the on the head with it. Um, and uh, well, the, the interesting thing at the towards the end of that, the I guess the I don't know they wrote in there um, the the very last scene that he had been his whatever zoo whatever you want to call it had had been um, raided because um, it sounds like the FBI is kind of coming down on a lot of these these guys. Um, so he got his time, but I guess it was harder to get him because of. Um, he was just so much more sophisticated with how he did things, especially compared to, to Joe exotic. Um, but also I don't know if they get him and unless they had Joe, because Joe was starting to spill the beans once he was in jail because he, you know, misery loves company sort of thing, you know? So the other yeah. thing though, I wanted to mention about Joe, you mentioned that the egos, it, I, I kind of felt like he um, just really neat. He had a really a super low self-esteem. And a lot of this stuff was was to kind of help with that. And even with the the situation where you had the two husbands, right after, you know, things went downhill with those. Well, well one downhill, one one ended up killing himself, and the and I, I can't remember what happened with the other one as far as their relationship. But he goes on immediately. He goes on a dating site and yeah. meets meets another young guy, and immediately they're like all in it. And towards for, for the rest of the the show. He is, uh, you know, very involved. This new boyfriend is very involved, and even the the film guys have to interview him while Joe is in uh, in jail to kind of get some information and everything, which is kind of interesting. But I think it all goes back to just a self esteem thing, and it's kind of sad because Joe mentioned in the, in the first um, episode that you know his dad once his dad found out he was gay, he didn't want anything to do with it with him. Um, and he actually said he didn't, he didn't want him at his funeral, which is, which is incredibly sad. Um, but, um, and I just think all that stuff is, is all kind of related with all of this. And, and, and that's why he's just such a showman and he has to kind of build himself up. Yeah. I think there's some stuff in his past. Um, you can look up about Joe as well, that, that kind of messed him up as well. But, uh, a little back Doc Antle, the, he has a soul patch i looked it up as well i was looking for the soul patch okay. right there on the chin he also has a goatee i mean just google doc antle he has some like indian name as well uh, i don't even know what really if he is a doctor not, but <laughs> yeah it's some like big indian name there's pictures of him with tigers and lions and elephants and monkeys he's been on some um late night shows as well so this guy there's pictures of him with with jay leno and he has this whole big um zoo type thing in Myrtle Beach and it's pretty wild and they interviewed a woman who kind of got out and who worked down there for like eight years and she said that they they got paid like 100 bucks a week and it was just very cultish and he was this kind of guy I mean I don't know Doc Antle kind of he rubbed me the wrong way with kind of how he did things um yeah okay he he definitely came he definitely came across as a cult leader and he Looked like a (laughs) he looked like a swinger. Well, he definitely was a swinger. I mean, he had multiple wives or multiple girlfriends. Um, So yeah, and one thing you've mentioned twice now is Travis. You said he's committing suicide. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I I think he might have had a mistake with the gun because remember he did in front of the other guy. 
Yeah, yeah. So it was that, that, it was an, that's it was an accident. Yeah, well, or yeah, um, it was an accidental suicide because what he was saying, he was playing with a gun and he had had a point pointed at the one guy and the guy said, "Don't point that at me." And he said, "Yeah, hey, this is a Ruger. You need to have the clip in in order for it to fire, you dumbass." And then he, um, and said, "Look," and he put the gun up to his head, pulled the trigger, and and killed himself. Um, I don't. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not a gun guy, so I don't. So it's I don't accident. Know. Yeah, yeah, so accidental. But that's still – it almost feels even more dramatic because of the fact that he didn't mean to do it. And then also they have the camera on the guy who told him not to point the gun at him. What? And, and, and I'm glad that you went into this because what was your reaction to all of that? To just the that shooting? Well, just that the fact that, that we got to see the scene, and just just to me, when I when I heard that on the podcast, my mind was blown, and I immediately when I went home, I was telling my wife about, it. oh my god, this guy accidentally killed himself, you know. So, um, so yeah. So what was? I mean, it just seems such yeah. a crazy so, way to die. Yeah, I mean, it was sad. I mean, he was young, and like mm-hmm. his mom, like he kind of just left California, left his mom. His mom was at the funeral. The funeral scene is hilarious. Joe's oh, little, that's the um, other. That's another thing. Joe's speech. We, I mean, it's vulgar. We can't really get into it, but Joe gives a hilarious speech talking about uh, Travis, his his husband. But what I thought was really sad was the campaign manager that helped run helped run Joe's campaigns. He met at a Walmart, like in the gun, the you know, the, at the gun section of Walmart. He became Joe's campaign manager. He witnessed that death and he was kind of wrapped in this thing and he was super normal i thought interviewed him a lot uh he was kind of young and yeah he got kind of roped into this whole thing and he he was one of the most normal characters i thought another normal character was the woman whose freaking arm got bit off in a scene Mm -hmm. and for the rest of the show she had a nub um and it's funny because uh joe exotic came out in a in a paramedic's jacket. He had all these outfits for different <laughs> scenes and different things. And he's like, you're not a paramedic. Why do you have a paramedic jacket? Um, okay. Another thing I wrote. Okay. So I think the next the kind of chronologically here, Jeff Lowe comes into the scene. Oh, yeah. He ends up helping Joe financially. And he kind of ends up, I guess, ends up buying, essentially taking over and buying the zoo. But, and he plays a big role in, in setting Joe up and all this stuff. And it becomes a pretty unlikable character but my main thing about him was just he's a 50 year old guy and he's such a sleazy character with the mm-hmm. ripped jeans the bandana under the hat which i never understood uh he looked like he was dressing like a you know a 19 year old and he was 50 years old big vegas guy club guy you know the type like the guy who can't yes. grow up he uh he's brags about his uh, accomplishments with women he, it's a classic Vegas guy, affliction t-shirts, ripped jeans, Oakley hats, um, all this stuff. And he becomes pretty unlikable and, um, just the different lines. He had a lot of very misogynistic lines throughout the show. Um, but Jeff Lowe, your thoughts yeah. on him? So, um, because of the reasons that you mentioned, he was my wife's most hated character in all of this. Um, especially when, when um, this was towards the end, and his, I guess, this is his wife is pregnant, and they were talking about the fact that that they're getting a nanny, and he said, "You yeah. can have a nanny, but I get I get to pick her." And he was showing pictures and everything like that, and my wife was just like, yeah. kind of had enough. Yeah. Um, 
super shady guy. Um, Joe had to kind of get involved with him because Joe needed money because of the, you know, the lawsuit and everything. The crazy thing, the, the lawsuit was so self-inflicted because uh, I know we talked about it a little bit, but I, but I think it's important to mention is that the reason why he was being sued by Carol wasn't because of the whole necessarily the whole tiger thing. It was because that in an effort to kind of, um, I don't know, I guess harm her business, he started to kind of use he used a company name and, and a company logo and everything that was very, very similar to hers. And I think he also had like a website that was similar to their website. So a lot of people would go to his website and said and everything. And it was like a copy, copyright infringement sort of thing. And, and also, I think part of it, too, was he used some photo that her company used and everything. But but anyway, going back to uh, Jeff Lowe. Yeah, super sleazy guy. Um, and I mean, really, he kind of contributed to to Joe's. Um, demise really um um but uh you know his relationship with um with joe really went downhill quickly at least looking at the timeline on on the um on the show um uh, what 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 did you think i mean did you did you feel like he was trustworthy did you feel like he was doing the right thing <laughs> when it when it, in this whole situation that he was just another victim of joe's I don't think he was a victim. I mean, he just seemed to have money. It turned out he maybe didn't have a lot of money, and he had this obsession with big cats. A couple more things on him. He would sneak in tiger. So big thing was tiger cubs. They would be the money makers because you could mm-hmm. charge people to pet them and take pictures with the tiger cubs. So the the key was breeding these tigers and and having tiger cubs. And then when they get too big, they eat. They they're too expensive to keep because they they eat so much meat um, that that's when those rumors of, of different guys killing the big tigers, which is very sad. The tiger cubs were, were super cute. And Jeff Lowe would tell stories of, of sneaking in tiger cubs in, um, in suitcases up to hotel rooms in Vegas and then luring women in because of, uh, obviously you can Instagram with a tiger and it's pretty cool. But uh, that was another little part there. He had a little sketchy goatee, like very a thin goatee. The facial hair on this whole show was amazing. With a soul patch for Doc Antle, uh, uh, Joe Exotic had the Fu Manchu and the bleach blonde hair, and Jeff Lowe and the had kind of the thin. You're ignoring the, the mullet. Yeah, I mean, Joe Exotic was just an incredible character, incredible outfits. But Doc, uh, not, not Jeff Jeff Lowe's kind of thin, creepy goatee. It's hard to trust a guy like that. And the freaking bandana underneath the hat. I never understood. Was he just bald? I don't get it. I think it was just. But he had scars. Well, I I just think it fits what you were talking about earlier, where he was a guy who didn't want to grow up. I mean, he was he had to be in his fifties, you know. Yeah, and yeah, and, I mean, I and up. Vegas guy. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, club, club guy. Yes, you gotta grow up, man. You gotta grow up. Clubs are awful. Um, okay, Jeff Lowe is he was born September thirteenth, nineteen fifty. That makes him. Oh, this is a different guy. That's an American. <laughs> hiker named <laughs> jeff Lowe. okay uh there's not wikipedia for jeff Lowe, so i don't know how old he is um all right sorry for that okay um let's see what else i've written the down. funny thing is is though i'm looking it up on twitter not on twitter on google and you know how it starts it tries to finish your um what you're typing yeah. and it in the second thing that popped up was age when i put jeff Lowe, tiger king and then age was right there yeah do we have how old he is um, I'm I'm still looking. I'll let you know once I he see. He doesn't it. have a Wikipedia, which is surprising. Yeah. Um. Okay. Well. Okay. That's uh. I mean, 
all of Joe's outfits I've written down. Oh, we mentioned the meat. How about the Walmart meat? Bringing in trucks oh, yeah. of expired meat from Walmart. Uh, um, that was pretty crazy. And they would let the employees, like if they had saw something they like, like steaks or, or high-quality meat, they would take the expired Walmart meat, and that would be dinner for the night in their trailers. They all lived on the property. Um, so they're just eating this expired Walmart meat. They'd bring in by the truckload and they would just feed, they would open up these packages of meat that you and I would, would buy from a store and, and they would feed it to the tigers and lions and stuff. And I mean, it was kind of crazy, the small amount of meat they would open in the package and feed the lions. And eventually they opened a pizza restaurant that it was rumored they would use the expired Walmart meat as the meat for pizza. Yeah. And Joe Exotic, of course, sold it as the best meat, uh, best pizza in town. His country music videos are great. Hey, uh, hey Kitty Kitty was was a popular hit. He wore the Catholic uh, priest outfit yes. at Travis's funeral and in that music video. I mean, this dude's obviously not a Catholic priest, but he wear. I mean, he had tons of his outfits. So it was ridiculous, like with the little white thing around the neck. I don't know what that's called. Yeah, but, um, it has a name. I don't. And know. then James Garrison. I don't know if it's worth talking about James Garrison, the bigger guy. With the, the the famous meme is is him rolling in on the on the water the jet ski, but he pl- he came in probably the sixth or seventh episode. Um, he was kind of ambiguous to what he really did, but he helped set up Joe. Yes, I think, and was kind of involved. Well, before we get to that, before we get to that, before we get to and stuff too. I um I did want to go over. You mentioned that the 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 food and everything, but just the overall living arrangements were just awful for these workers um, who I guess they didn't have much, so it didn't matter to them, but they basically lived in these trailers that didn't have working air conditioning. There was rats in, you know, in these trailers. I mean, and you saw them here and there and it was just awful. And a lot of these people got paid very, very little, which I guess in the whole scheme of things, isn't that big of a deal if you're getting your food and your, and your um, housing taken care of. And really you're not allowed to leave for the most part. You're not allowed to leave the zoo. Um, so you don't really need spending money or whatever, but um, just overall, I mean, it just was God, what a dirty situation to kind of kind of live in. Have you ever experienced anything like that? Well, I worked as a whitewater rafting guide, and we we lived on premises and lived in little chicken shack, little. Not, so this is, is definitely so this is kind of common then for certain certain. I think I guess different. It's just a crazy thing about all the different subcultures that exist in America that we don't know about. And there, this is just one of them. I mean, you had the whole thing at Doc. Same thing with Doc Antles. I think they all lived in pretty bad. Yeah. The early the younger employees lived in pretty bad situations there. Um, they profiled Kara Baskin's place where they would have a lot of unpaid volunteers that would work. Mm-hmm. So she she used a lot of free labor as well. Mm-hmm. It, a huge storyline was just uh, Joe Exotic just ripping on Carol Baskin's every chance he would get about her killing her husband about anything she does because it's a huge rivalry. But Carol Baskin was in his mind the whole um, whole documentary. So Yeah. Well, I think it's also important to mention that what Joe initially was making a lot of money on was doing these tours to malls and everything. And that they were saying how much, you know, make like $10,000 or just one stop. And Carol really and her minions really kind of hammer on these malls and, and these different locations to prevent him from going and obviously if you're taking that much money away from someone because of your efforts you're going to get um you know you're not you're not going to be someone's best friend for sure but the one thing i 
we we haven't I haven't asked you, and I, I would like <laughs> love to know. Did do you think Carol Baskins killed her husband, her first husband, or second husband? I guess it would be. Yeah. So spin. A whole episode on that, if not more, and, and one of the one of the ideas is that he escaped to Costa Rica, right? Yes. He had a he had a jet, he had a plane, and there was like a car parked at the airport, and he loved going down to Costa Rica, and he always wanted to maybe move the the zoo down there. So I don't know. I mean, I guess so. Okay. I mean, a lot of evidence points to it. Um, I felt like she. Was to benefit from his death by getting a lot of money and uh, and inheriting a lot of uh, real estate and things like that. And they interviewed that guy's first wife and that guy's kids. Remember? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And the kids were old. <laughs> Remember, there was three of them. There was the two kids and the wife. And the kids were so old because this guy was an old guy. But the kids were yeah. like 60 and the wife was like 80. Yeah, yeah. Well, the other thing in, with the podcast they really kind of talked to these people, including, I guess, his most closest confidant, which was a secretary who was interviewed on the uh, on the show also. Um, and I mean, you know, they felt like 100 percent, you know, and everyone kept on saying that leading up to it. He, you know, multiple people, not just his family members, a couple of other business um, associates just mentioned that in the days leading up to his disappearance, that he was saying that um, you know, he felt like carol was going to kill him or and or um he uh he, he mentioned that he was going to file for divorce to me i felt like i don't know if you want to call it smoking gun because it's still cir- circumstantial evidence the fact that his um what was it his benefits not it, it mentioned obviously in in the case of his death but also in the case of his death and um disappearance um that uh you know everything would go to her. And I, and I thought that was kind of significant. I am not a lawyer who handles any of that sort of stuff. It, um, I don't know how common that is to put in disappearance in addition to death, but that seemed to be extra shady. The whole Costa Rica thing, I feel at some point somebody would have found him there. And, and I hope that um, those who were involved in his search would have kind of looked into Costa Rica and to see if one of his planes are there uh, or yeah. um, to do some sort of investigating in that. But yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I mean, I feel like she did it and she just did a really good job <laughs> of getting rid of the body. And if you have all of these different things on your residence, such as didn't they have some sort of like, yeah, they have a meat grinder um, yeah. and you have animals who love meat. I, I just feel like that, you know, it, it's just too easy to get rid of a body in that situation. And uh, yeah, the Tampa Bay police, I think, went to Costa Rica to kind of investigate the, Did they? Okay. the situation as well. Yeah. Did, okay. Uh, um, one more we didn't thing. Touch too much on James Garrison. Okay. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. So this is the James Garrison thing. The the whole. I guess I should lay it out. So so basically, why he was I guess arrested was the was because of the murder for hire thing, and he had supposedly paid one of Jeff Lowe's guys to go there um and and kill carol he joe gave him like three thousand dollars joe says and joe is you know and i think we we haven't mentioned this too much joe isn't the most trustworthy person either he he exaggerates um a lot of stuff and and blatantly lies a lot of different things but he said he was instructed to give three thousand dollars to jeff by jeff Lowe to to his uh this guy 
Um, and he didn't know the reason why, but he did give $3,000 to this guy to kill Carol. And then the other thing was I thought was interesting was the FBI through James Garrison is his name, right? Yeah. Okay. Through, yes. Through him um, had a basically an undercover FBI agent talk to Joe and say, hey, you want to do this? Let's, you know, and they could never get Joe to commit to give him money and all that sort of stuff, which kind of makes me wonder if Joe really did this or this was not some sort of elaborate, um, elaborate setup by Jeff Lowe, James Garrison and Jeff Lowe's um, right hand man, because that right hand man who was sent to Tampa to kill, supposedly sent to Tampa to kill Carol Baskins. Um, and received $3,000 from Joe to do it, he and Joe started butting heads immediately, which kind of made me feel like that this was a setup. What do you think? Yeah, I, I didn't really follow that as I didn't really follow that, that storyline as much. It's kind of confusing about the whole James Garrison part of it and Jeff Lowe and, and what the setup was. But um, they were definitely out out for him. And took advantage of him and, and the whole setup for murder. I mean, $3,000 is not very much money for, for a henchman to kill somebody with that. The henchman, the kind of employee, the kind of odd man, a do it all guy. He, uh, he was a sketchy character as well. We didn't even mm-hmm. touch on him. He had a freaking tattoo of a raindrop on his eye, which means you have killed somebody. All right. I think that's enough. Joe exotic talk, tire King talk. Definitely watch it. <laughs> People are going to listen to this episode and be like, because I don't think we're going to tease any Tiger King stuff. It's going to be football recruiting and then 35 minutes of Tiger King. Um, Okay. I think that wraps it up. Anything else, Don? No, I I enjoyed this. Um, Hopefully we don't get a whole lot of backlash about uh, this conversation, but uh, I I enjoyed this pod, this, well, this, uh, this show, Tiger King. And, uh, and I enjoy talking about it with my friend Ross. There you go. All right, guys, thanks for listening. This is the Inside Carolina Podcast presented to you by Johnny T-Shirt and JohnnyT-Shirt.com. Thanks for listening to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com. Brought to you by JohnnyT-Shirt.com. Where to go for your next Tar Heel gear purchase. New CBS Monday. NCIS. Here's where we can see them. NCIS and NCIS Hawaii return with all new cases. Double tap to the chest, one to the head. These guys are professionals. All new criminals. Violent Island, we got here. Walking to paradise. And all new crimes to be solved. If you're watching, these have been arrested. What are the charges? Just one. Murder. New NCIS and NCIS Hawaii. Monday, starting at 9, 8 central on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus.